The following is offered by Discerning Hearts, a 501c3 nonprofit Catholic apostolate dedicated to spiritual formation through the use of new media. To download this selection, or to browse hundreds of other programs, or to contribute to our mission with a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, visit our website at discerninghearts.com. He really is coming, and our, our whole spirit of the spirit the Christian spirit is the longing and rejoicing for his coming. Be happy. He is coming to save us. He will save us. He loves us. I am so happy, Chris, that with this opportunity we have, that every priest, every bishop, every Catholic, every Protestant, every Orthodox, and each and any person that's going to hear us, that I believe that the more people who understand what this message is of Jesus coming into the world and saving us, why do I target those of us who have been baptized? Jesus is already in us. He has come. Isaiah predicted 700 years before What was he going to be like? His prophecy tells the people. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The desert and the parched land will exalt. The steep will rejoice and bloom. They will bloom with abundant flowers and rejoice with joyful song. The glory of Lebanon will be given to them the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the hands that are feeble. Make firm the knees that are weak. Say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not. Here is your God. He comes with vindication. With divine recompense, he comes to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, and the tongue of the mute will sing. Those whom the Lord has ransomed will return and enter Zion singing, crowned with everlasting joy. They will meet with joy and gladness. Sorrow and mourning will flee. The Word of the Lord. You're going to be saved. God is sending us a Savior who will do all these miracles. When John asks, are you the one who is to come? What does Jesus say to John? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. 
and blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal places. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you. Among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. All the things that Isaiah predicted plus two, that he cleanses the leper, he actually raises the dead. It's a crescendo of miracles. The greatest miracles that Isaiah could think about were those blind seeing, deaf hearing, lame walking. But now the dead are raised. Wow. And the gospel is preached to the poor. Francis is reminding us of something, and Mother Teresa is reminding us of something. You ministers, you priests, we Catholics have to be reminded again. The gospel is for the poor, especially. And the Beatitudes are blessed are the poor. They're the chief members of the kingdom of God. This is a great time because we have this power. Who has it? Jesus has it. That's what Jesus is saying, and we have to be true to him. Now, he's saying about John, because it, this gospel is so powerful for teaching us, but I think that prediction of Isaiah was fulfilled. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. All time is dating by his birth. Is that the greatest news that we have this Christmas? Then I'm really happy with the manger sets. I think that's a great thing. I think the creche, I think the Christmas tree, these celebrations somehow have trumped the real message. Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. None, not Isaiah, none other prophets, not Moses, none greater. Yet, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Do you know who that is? That's me, and that's you, because we were baptized. That's the message of today. That's the message, please God, goes out into the whole world. I have not heard it. I want to shout it. I want to bring it to the entire world. Listen, who are we? You who've been baptized are greater than John the Baptist. And he was the greatest born of women. Because you're baptized, you are in Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus, for coming from heaven, being incarnate of the Virgin Mary. Thank you, Jesus, for growing up and being one of us in our flesh. Thank you, Jesus, in the year 33, that you suffered and died. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead. Thank you, Jesus, that you conquered sin and Satan and death. But Jesus, especially thank you for coming into me, for letting me be joined to you. You and I are one. Thank you, Jesus. Do I really understand that that's the message that we rejoice about? Thank you for the baby. Thank you for the cross. But this union is what we have. And when we celebrate this at Christmas, it's that light that's in us, that union that we have with him. Every single day, every day, I meet people that in some way they haven't heard it. It happens all the time, wherever I go. This one man came to me, and he came with his wife. Beautiful people. Baptized. Confirmed. We had the Eucharist together. The priest sent him to me because of a problem with demons. In, in his, his family, when I, when I went over his family history, there was such a history. Suicides alcoholism. His mother is an adulteress. His father is seething with hatred and unforgiveness. The bitterness and the anger in in their family. There are drugs that, that now in the middle of this family, you know, when I was looking at him, all I could see was beauty and light. The priest was telling me that he thinks he's infested with demons. And when I said, I, I said, you know, you, you just radiate God's goodness to me. As I began to go over his, his life with him, going back into his early life, it was Jesus in his life. Because he had been baptized. He had been confirmed. He was in touch with the Eucharist. Now, the darkness and the light that was struggling back and forth in him was the light and darkness of Jesus in his life. And I, when I looked at him, I said, do you realize what a light you are? I took the list of all the people in his family on both sides. When you are born into the world, there's darkness around us. Some of us have been born and even baptized into families that for a long time have had darkness and deeper and deeper darkness. You and I are constantly living in this dark world. And then I began to see the events of his life, the Jesus events. There was, there's another one, another man, ever since he was little, he's, he, he says, I was the kid that was made fun of. When you go to counseling, I said, do you think that maybe did you ever see yourself as, did you ever recognize that maybe in you is a light so that those around you who taunted you, did, did Jesus get taunted? 
did Jesus get mocked? Could you see yourself as Jesus and how you respond? If you are a baptized person, then you have this light within you. And so on this magnificent day of Advent, Rejoice Sunday, I'm calling for each of us to pray about and to realize that in me, in me is Jesus. My whole life through baptism, through confirmation, and through the Eucharist that I receive is the Lord Jesus. And that the more I live that life, the more I experience union with him. And so I'm going to ask for the 15 or 20 minutes that you have this Sunday as you take and pray these scriptures. Look at these scriptures. It's right there. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. And there's no greater than John. You actually, you see, you weren't born in that darkness before the birth of Christ. So although there might be very great darkness in the world around us, how is he going to come into the world this Christmas? Through me and with me and in me. What will be the light that will shine in our family when I begin to recognize that he is first in me and that I can radiate that light? And maybe also possibly that he has already radiated that light in my life as I go over this examine of looking in my rearview mirror and seeing where, how, and when Christ was living in me. And so I would like to offer you, and this might seem strange, as an exam for you, when was Jesus in me? Since you're baptized and confirmed and united with him, especially in Eucharist, you're living the Paschal mystery. And that very much many times is spelled out in the Stations of the Cross. And many of us, I'd like to have you think about if there are 14 stations that we have as, as examination. Try and get uh, as Stations of the Cross events and then go over those in your exam today. For instance, let me give you an example of your exam and what it would be. In the first station, Jesus stands before Pilate. And there, Jesus is falsely condemned. When in your life did someone tell a lie about you? When were you falsely accused? Get in touch. It could have been when you were in school and someone said you didn't write the paper that you actually did write. Someone could accuse you falsely of something that you didn't do. Get in touch with that pain. United with Jesus at the first station. Here you are, because you are Jesus, before Pilate. And offer that pain with Jesus to God. When you were falsely accused, you can take, because of the truth, 
you can stand before the eyes of the of Pilate, whoever that person was, and say to God, I give this pain to you because this is how I am going to live this first station. When Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me, how do we embrace the crosses we have each day? Each and every day, there's a little cross, however insignificant and minor it might be. What is my attitude toward carrying the cross that is given to me? Maybe it's arthritic pain. How do I embrace the cross that I have to make friends with whatever cross that is that I might have? Maybe it's just a cold that you have today and you have the sniffles to to take and to make the best of whatever this means to me today. Every day, there are little crosses that I have to bear. What is my attitude toward my cross? Do I embrace it? When you make these stations as you go, ask yourself, who in my life is my Simon of Cyrene? Who helps me on a daily basis carry my cross? When you think about the the struggles and the difficulties that you have, are, are you 12 years old or whatever you are, and you are listening to me today, who is that in your life that helps you? Is it your mother? Is it, is it a brother of yours? Every one of us have in our daily lives a Simon of Cyrene. Someone in our lives always sees us, and when we, when we actually are face-to-face with that person, they always have compassion when they see us going through some pain. Who is your Veronica? Who's that person in your life that sees you and that has compassion on you? Who is the one that betrays you? Who is your Judas? How do you respond? When Jesus was kissed by his betrayer, friend, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? This is a deep wound. The heart of Jesus is in you. You have a capacity to forgive those deep hurts because you are Jesus. And Jesus in you is already forgiving from the cross, the one who betrayed. That same Jesus in you wants you to have a capacity to forgive. Who is the one who strips you? So many of us, there are people we meet that want to embarrass us. And especially they they want to like pull the sheet from us and have us stand there naked and and be laughed up by others. What is the experience in your life of going through this? And when you have someone who does this to you, to forgive them, maybe 
Maybe your dad does that and makes fun of you. I have no idea what that might be for you, but Jesus does, and you do. And as you go through these events of your life, who is the one who denies you? You know, when you think that someone will be here to stick up for me or to, or to back me up or to be, and they, and they're in the crowd. And who is that Simon Peter who denies you? I don't even know him. That has nothing to do in that, in that situation. That's a pain. Then what did Jesus do to him? He not only forgave him, he really entrusted him again. What a powerful grace is in each of us. Especially when you feel abandoned. Every one of us has Jesus within him or her. However young or old, I have found children who have felt abandoned especially many times. People who I meet on a daily basis, if I remind them of this experience that they have and that Jesus had that same experience, you see, what is he giving to you when you say even to God, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Sometimes I give people who really think they're so far from God or are gone over even into the hands of the enemy because they feel so angry with God. This person that I was with, this young man in whom I saw Jesus so clearly, when I gave him Psalm 22 to read, it was exactly the way he felt. Jesus felt abandoned by God and was able to say to God, why have you abandoned me? You hear other people's prayers, but I am a worm and no man. This is how I feel. Jesus felt that way. Jesus in you feels that way. And then finally, so many of us, we just feel dead. I can't go anymore. I can't do anything else. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. You, when you feel like it's all over and I can't do anymore, you're laying in the arms of Mary. That's the pieta. There you are, dead, taken down from the cross and laying in the tomb. When we are in Jesus, and Jesus is in us. We are one with him, and he with us. That is the great news of today, that Jesus is coming more deeply into your life through every suffering and dying and rising. Christ is coming deeper and deeper into union with you. What a magnificent third Sunday of Advent this is. When each one of us who hears this message 
And maybe for the first time, you're recognizing that the feelings, the thoughts, the experiences you're having are his in me. And they have been there my whole life because I am a baptized woman, a baptized man, confirmed and fed with the Eucharist. And each and every day, I can grow more deeply, and he's coming. He's coming more than ever before. Amen. Monsignor? Yes. That that reflection on the Stations of the Cross, it, it really is something that is applicable, not just during Lent, is it? I mean, it is something that is very much an Advent experience. Presenting the cross with Gaudete is, I, I think, a magnificent way to prepare for the coming of Christ. I can see that every Christmas that I have ever spent, there has been a cross. We think of Christmas as just lights and music, and no, many times some of the greatest crosses has been your past Christmases. So everything that happened to Jesus happens to me. I have received false accusations. I have fallen. It's, I, I would really concentrate, I think, if I were you in this coming week, on the three falls of Jesus. What are your tendencies to go away from God? What is your sin? You see, your fall is sin. That's what a fall is. But getting up is Jesus. You got up. Every time you fell, you got up. The man who overcomes hatred and returns to grace through forgiveness the man who falls in lust and returns to grace through purity, the woman who falls in gossip and then returns to grace in her repentance, whatever that might be, your fall is not the big deal there. It's Jesus in me returning to grace. So in your journey this Christmas, if you look at your falls, they are always a reminder of my return to grace because he is the only one in me who returns to that love. I am in him and he truly is in me. The acts of love and repentance that I could do. Happy the man who does not lose faith in me. You are really good, not because of you, but because of me. And so if any, there's any man or woman or child thinks that this does not apply to him or her, make the stations and think of the times which you return to grace and even now have the opportunity to return to grace. Why? Because of him who is in me. I am in you. And like St. Paul, 
in Romans 7. I want to do the good, but I don't. I don't want to do this, but I do. Oh, what a miserable man I am. Who is going to save me? All praise to Jesus Christ, who is in me and triumphs through me and with me, and I in him and he in me. Gaudete, rejoice, for even the darkest and most unhappy of us and the most miserable rejoice, rejoice always. Again, I say, rejoice, because you are truly in him, and he is in you, and he wants to shine and radiate this Christmas through me and with me and in me, and he will triumph because he always does. Final thought, Monsignor? Be patient. Be patient until you receive, as St. James says, the winter rain and the autumn rain and maybe the snow. But whatever it might be in these coming days, rejoice. Again, I say, rejoice. God bless. Thank you so much, Monsignor. Thank you. Have a really good day. Gaudete. You've been listening to Building the Kingdom of Love, Reflections with Monsignor John Essif. To hear and or to download this program or to browse hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to support our efforts. But most of all, we pray that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com.